G'day and welcome to The Grass is Greener. My name is Tim Henry. I'm a financial advisor in Melbourne. And every week, my guests and I dissect your everyday challenges. We'll get you clearer on your goals and give you financial tips to make it happen. Thanks a lot for tuning in. You might be out getting some fresh air, having a walk. Hope you're having a great walk. If you're maybe in the car having a drive, hopefully you're getting a great commute. Or if you're just sitting in the chair at the end of a long day, hope it's been a good one. While you're there, if it's possible, hit that subscribe button and make sure you get these episodes feeding through automatically each week. Today we're chatting about starting a family. Now there are not many bigger steps in life than starting a family. It's such an exciting time. But there's also some daunting elements to this. The reality of being responsible for another life puts a new dimension on everything and you know the ability just to wing it a little bit starts to be diminished. So I wanted to hone in on four key financial areas, a bit of a crash course if you like, in these four areas that uh, I believe are really important to get your head around uh, once you're coming into that phase of starting a family. So the four areas we're chatting about today, cash flow tips. And I went through some elements there that you need to, you can start thinking about and how to approach um, this phase before you have the baby. Centrelink entitlements, parental leave. We've got an expert in Sheena Stowe-Smith from Advice Link who's coming in to talk us through all of that. It was really awesome. I learned a lot myself. Life insurance, and I, I touched on that, and also just talked through your life insurance needs. you now got to ensure that this new life is going to be safe and secure. So it's, it's a different lens to look through for you, with your life insurance needs now. And the Queen of Wills herself, Tara Lukey, is coming in to talk about estate planning. She's had a baby herself in the last um, seven months, and she also helps us rethink the lens that we need to approach our estate planning through now that you're a family unit. It's a, it was a great chat. We did it as a panel, all three of us. I'm sure you'll enjoy it, and I'll see you on the other side. If this is your first time tuning in to The Grass is Greener, make sure you subscribe to the show on your platform of choice so you'll automatically receive each episode as soon as it's released. Today, I'm joined by Tara Lukey from Nexus Law, and she also runs The Art of Estate Planning, and also Sheena Stowe-Smith, and she's got a company called Advice Link, uh, which is outsourcing, outsourced Centrelink and Social Security Service. Uh, how are you, ladies? Good, thank you. So well. Thanks for having us, <laughs> That's Tim. good. We're going to have a lot of fun here today because um, with three of us on, on here, we thought we'd do this a panel exercise here today, um, and I really wanted to get the expertise of Tara from a state planning point of view and Sheena from a Centrelink point of view. And so we're just going to uh, freewheel this and, and have a bit of a chat about four key areas uh, when you're starting a family and, and things that you need to get your head around um, sooner rather than later. 
and they are estate planning, getting your estate plan done, life insurance, your needs have changed because you're becoming a family, getting a better understanding of Centrelink, your entitlements and your leave entitlements, and also some cash flow tips at the end. So let's kick it off. Um, first of all, before we get started, I thought it might be great. Uh, you might want to go first, Tara. And Tara's been on the show before. Um, just give you a little introduction and, and what you do. Thanks so much, Tim. It's great to be back and um, I feel very grateful to be invited back. Um, so I'm a lawyer. I focus on estate planning and I especially work with financial advisors, people like Tim, to support them, help their clients get their estate planning sorted. So I only do estate planning. Don't call me if you're in trouble, if you've got a parking <laughs> ticket, if you're getting a, you know, involved in litigation. It's just estate planning. In fact, you are termed the queen of estate planning, aren't you, Tara? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, the queen of wills. Oh, Queen of Wheels, that's right. Um, and you've also become a mum yourself in the last um, year, haven't you? Yeah, that's right. So I had my little boy in February 2020, just before the COVID pandemic. So I had a pandemic baby and wow. I've been navigating motherhood for the last 11 months. Now we're getting up to planning the first birthday party. Oh, that's big. <laughs> and Sheena, tell us a little bit about stage. yourself. Um, oh, so I run, no, you're right. I run Advice Link, which is a Centrelink service. So we work with professionals like Tara, like Tim through financial planning, um, as well as accountants, where we actually offer a Centrelink service to uh, their clients, knowing that they're obviously the key relationship holders um, and the professionals that a lot of clients turn to in so many situations. Um, so what we basically do is handle the claim on a client's behalf. So we go to Centrelink, we start the claim, we provide any additional information um, and updates, but we also give a lot of expertise around what type of benefits are out there and available for clients as well. Centrelink is obviously a really complex um, system and when starting a family I know myself and my my sister and a lot of my friends um, just said look oh my gosh I can't deal with this on top of everything that you are actually mentally carrying at that period of time and physically carrying um, through a pregnancy I think um, someone to help with that Centrelink oh, claim yeah. and get you through is it's crucial so I actually started this because of family friends and clients myself that I used to work with and also my men and pop which were on an age pension as well and they they had a lot of struggles and things like that with getting everything updated so yeah so that's where advice yeah, and and it, from. It, it's a complex anyway isn't it and and then what makes it even more complex is dealing with Centrelink itself <laughs> because they can be hard work at times if especially if you don't get someone good to talk to in there so yeah, I'm, I'm sure frantic, it's really... I'm frantically nodding here going, yes, oh my gosh. So yeah, that's right. <laughs> cool. Well, first of all, now I we're going to um, reverse the batting order here. Now, I, I would say most people when, we, when they come to see us, um, 
the first thing that's on their mind is cash flow. It's like, oh, we might be dropping back to one income. How are we going to survive? Um, we need to try and get ahead around the leave entitlements and Centrelink and all that sort of thing. And then, you know, we might convince them that they need to start considering their life insurance and estate planning. I actually really believe, and I think I've got support from both Tara and Sheena here, that um, estate planning and life insurance, they can take time. And in fact, they, they can be there can be big decisions to be made. And I've never been pregnant myself, but the ladies here have. And I'm not sure, would you rather knock over a big thing like life insurance and estate planning early in your pregnancy or later on in your pregnancy? Um, I've done pregnancy ladies? three times now, so I'd rather knock it over early knowing what's to come three times around. So. Yeah. Well done. I, I concur. The further along you get, everything just gets harder and busier yeah. and there's no time for anything. So Tara, we're going to get lead you off, I think, with estate planning. I, I, I feel that this is the first thing that people should tackle. And I'd love you just to talk our listeners through how, you know, listeners that, okay, they haven't been um, a family up till now. They're about to become a family because they're starting a family. How's, how have their needs changed? How are their estate planning needs changed? Thanks, Tim. And look, I absolutely agree. Estate planning is critical to get in place when children come on the scene. And I think for a lot of people, they're focusing on bringing new life into the world, right? Planning for life ending is not what's front of mind, but it's super critical. So um, any change to your family circumstances should really prompt you to either start and set up an estate planning exercise or maybe review and update a plan that you already have. Um, yep. Obviously, estate planning was front of mind for me being an estate planning lawyer, but it was an interesting experience looking at it from the perspective of a client and obviously a client going through a major life um, change or, or, or yeah. preparing for a major life change because there is so much uncertainty with pregnancy and it doesn't matter how prepared you, you know you are I think a baby arriving just turns everything on its head um, for me personally I also think as well Tara like I've had three children and me and my husband still have discussions nearly every single time we've popped out a child and it's to who's going to get these lovely bundles of joy if anything happens to <laughs> us and three is a little bit different to just accepting one child so it's definitely something that's an ongoing approach and handling it early is definitely really important oh that's such a great perspective Sheena absolutely and I think you've hit the um real tension point there the guardianship of the child yeah. as nominating somebody is just so important because you know I found in my family my mother thought that she would be the guardian my husband's mother thought that she would be the guardian and we yeah. wanted someone entirely different to be the guardian so if you haven't set a plan in place for that it's 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 going to end in tears yeah, if something no. happens 
one of the things I say to clients regularly, it's probably a bit mean, but um, to help encourage them to get this done and have that um, discussion around the guardianship is really I, eyeball the female in the relationship quite often as a, your mother-in-law is <laughs> thinks she's getting <laughs> your kids. So would you like her to be on uh, them all to be around the table having that discussion or would you like to um, take control of that situation? And all jokes aside, it, it is really an important thing because you just wouldn't want a family to get torn apart by that, would you? Absolutely not. And I've, I've seen it happen where it really tarnishes relationships if a plan isn't in place. So, I mean, for me, signing my will in particular brought me a tremendous amount of relief and peace of mind just to know that I did have that plan in place. And I think um, getting prepared for my first child was a hu huge change. You know, we had to think about our values as a family, what we wanted that to look like. But also I saw getting my estate plan sorted really as an essential step for me kind of stepping up to the plate and saying I'm ready for the privilege of becoming a parent this is more than just me now like the bigger picture I it didn't matter if I had a will before or not like it's good to have but really like I'm there's a little soul who is going to come into this world who relies on me solely to provide for them and I yep. need a plan in place so that no matter what happens, they are going to be okay. So it was really about me stepping up to the plate and saying, I am taking responsibility for this privilege of being a parent and I'm going to do everything that I can to set my family up and my child up to have the best life possible, no matter what happens. So I had that sort of weighing on my mind. And once I got my will done, which I did at the start of the process before yeah. everything got a little bit too real, it just, I just had that peace of mind that I had done everything, you know, started the process for everything yeah. I could to welcome, you know, our little man to come into our life. Yeah, fantastic. I know we did actually do a, quite a detailed discussion about estate planning and everything that was involved back in episode number eight but Tara I wouldn't mind you just in this episode having a, a quick chat about the those four decisions remember in that session you fantastically mm -hmm. just said look there's just four key decisions you need to make and once you've made those it's really just about taking that to a solicitor to get it done yeah, absolutely, Tim. So an estate plan, as legal jargon, sounds a little bit intimidating. But if you've got someone like Tim who can help you get the paperwork sorted, then it really comes down to just making four decisions about how you want things to look. So the first one is who's going to manage the finances if you and um, your partner aren't around? Who is going to um, make your medical treatment decisions if you've lost the ability to look after yourself? Where do your assets go? And so obviously I think if you're um, starting a family, you know, a lot of the time that's just each other and our baby. 
And then lastly, when we're talking about um, children, it's who's going to be the guardian, which we've already touched on. I think for a lot of people, yep. that's actually the most important. Who's going yep. to manage the money? Are we going to, you know, will there, and you'll talk about have, making sure there is enough money, but then also responsible management of that money so that there's enough money for the guardians of the kids to put into place and implement, you know, the life that you dreamed for your child. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think the message here with estate planning is don't, it's the easiest thing to put off. Um, there's no better time to do it than just straight away, I think. And and that's going to lead us then into the next step, which I believe is extremely important coming off the back of estate planning is life insurance. So I want to just chat briefly and again, Sheena or Tara, if you've got perspectives on this, love to hear them. But one of the biggest th changes that if you're just going from being a, a couple to having a family, it's probably one of the biggest changes to your risk needs that you will have. Um, so in the past, if you were just a couple, you, we probably would have looked at your risk needs and said, okay, well, you probably need to leave enough to each other to maybe pay out your mortgage and the other person moves on unfortunately without you and financially they're not really impacted if something was to happen to you once you've got a small child um, straight away you've you're on one income with a small child who needs a lot of care and you really um, got that child for the best part of um, 18 years and most people that have older kids tell me it's more like about 35 years that you're supporting them. But um, so it's a real consideration. Your needs have changed significantly. And so absolutely need to confront that and work out, have you got enough? Is your insurance up to scratch? S some other elements I just want to touch on is... Um, I know um, just from... on that as well, like... I looked at my husband's insurance quite quickly as well because his was, yeah. within, was with his employer. So making sure that if he was going to change jobs, he could take that along with him as well. He had some, um, you know, he's got some family health conditions, which are a bit of a concern if he needed to be underwritten again. So that was definitely a consideration that I was fully aware of looking at his cover as well as my own and the transfer. Yep of that cover should we need to like should he change jobs because of um you know he the flexibility that comes with requ you know requirements with a family so that was quite a, a huge thing for us to review oh that was very prudent of you to do that sheena um and i think funnily enough tara mentioned to me before we came on the recording she went rang about her husband's as well so <laughs> that's a common theme I was paranoid about up increasing his cover, especially because I was seven months pregnant and he was hopping on a yep. plane to Hong Kong for a conference right at the time they were having um, civil unrest. And I, I don't know why I just had this thought, if he dies and he doesn't come home and I'm seven months pregnant, I need to make yeah. sure that there's enough money. <laughs> for me to look after yeah. this baby on my own. And oh, I mean, that was just probably hormones um, overacting a little bit and he was absolutely fine. But 
it it just gives me so much peace of mind knowing that if if one of us were to pass away yeah. that there's enough money for that other to to get in the childcare they need or pay the mortgage and just not have a financial pressure at the same time as going through such a tumultuous life event. Yeah, and exactly what you're saying there, it's about having an, an informed decision. So how much you ultimately take is your choice, but rather than just floating along with whatever's been dished up to you by work or whatever you had in the past, it's about making an informed decision based on our change situation. What would we need in the future? A couple of things that I get regularly from even existing clients sometimes is, oh, yeah, look, we're running out of time to do that and we'll probably look at it afterwards, after the birth. Um, for some people, um, this might be one of the more major medical events in their life to, to give birth. So it, it, it sort of goes against logic to say, well, I would – I'll defer taking insurance before that event happens and I'll do it after. And I also think the to-do list gets a lot bigger after as well. Yeah, that's (laughs) right. You think having the baby or being pregnant was the hard part. You wait till you add a few. Yeah, that's right. So, um, and then the other thing that I'll just mention on a more technical matter is um, it's really hard to get insurance for uh, ladies once they're in the final trimester. So if you did delay it till that point of time, it becomes a lot harder. Certainly won't get income protection. That is just cut off automatically in the last trimester. And and so it's something, again, it can take, it's not like you just walk in and get that insurance handed over to you the next day. Sometimes it can take weeks and months to have that underwritten and have medical reports done and all that sort of thing. So, again, something to get ahead of, ahead of the game on. And I really feel like having your estate plan done and that life insurance part done means you've considered all your new circumstances. And if the worst event did happen, you, you're actually going to be okay from a financial point of view. Um. Anything to add there, ladies, or? I know um, with my income protection as well, like my intention was always to go back to work. I'm I'm hats off to stay-at-home mums because it's something that I actually am not strong enough to do. So after about six months, I go back to work. So I wanted to make sure that my income protection was at the right level because I'd kind of set and forget that um, prior to having my first child as well. So I wanted to make sure that the um, the there's so many little intricate parts, I think, to income protection in particular about waiting periods and, and what your benefit is actually paid out, and, you know, that I wanted yeah. to make sure that that was set up correctly prior to me going into my uh, maternity leave period as well. So when I got back as to work, it was just business as usual as well and I didn't have to review that every single time, so it carried me through. Yeah, so and here's an interesting um, thing about maternity leave that's that's just reminded me to say this, Sheena, is mm-hmm. beforehand, yes, you can get income protection cover for the job that you're doing. After the event, if you're on maternity leave, well, any insurance company is going to say to you, well, 
you, that's great. Once you're back at work, come and see us, and we'll have a have a chat then. But if you had income protection prior to giving birth, and even though you were on maternity leave, you did become sick, and it meant that you could not go back to work, you would be able to claim on your income protection. So it still does work for you, even though you might be on maternity leave in circumstances, certain circumstances. So it's definitely something to, again, whether you take it or don't take it and how much you take, they're all decisions to make, but make an informed decision on what whether you're going to take it or not, not have it dictated to you. Um, I think that has us cover, covered off on, on the life insurance needs. Now, I don't know many other words, Sheena, that send shutters down people's spine, like like the term Centrelink. Um, it doesn't really instill people with um, inspiration, does it? So tell us about uh, a little bit about what you do because it's a really interesting, I think, but also uh, the work that you do and um, with people starting a family and, you know, things like parental leave and and family tax benefits? Um, yeah, sure. So Advice Think essentially is a, a nomination service. So basically we're able to act on behalf of the client for the client, just exactly like a client would. And obviously having some expertise and um, familiarity with the Centrelink system coming from, so that financial planning background myself, um, we're able to... I guess get claims processed a lot quicker. We, we're online every single day doing claims and updates for clients. So it's not necessarily as daunting for AdviceLink to be yeah. able to process claims for um, our clients and clients of the professionals that we work with. So, um, you know, I think when I told most people that what my business is, yes, they, they go, why would you do such a thing? And sometimes... <laughs> Sometimes I ask myself the same yes. thing. <laughs> I do well, have Sheena, my Would it be fair to say that um, for the dummies like us that call in, um, they probably we probably just go into a call centre. But for people like you, do you get given um, a better version of the Centrelink person because they probably know that you can, you know, the real real answers. Yeah, I think like I don't we don't have a special hotline. I wish I did, but we do know some some little tricks that kind of get it get it yeah. through. So like my <laughs> tips would definitely be if you know you need to be online and that's you know, if we talk about Centrelink numbers and the type of people that and customers that they're supposed to really be um for that's not always the most appropriate way of getting a claim through and getting an update done. Um, so it's a little bit unfortunate, but that's why Advice Link is there. So it's to, you know, not only do we help people starting a family, but we look at, you know, either if you've got elderly parents that are struggling with Centrelink and it seems to fall on you when you're starting a family. I call it the sandwich generation as well, I think, when yeah. you're kind of dealing with your parents as well as your own young children. Um, then, you know, th that's exactly where 
where advice link kind of comes in because they're not able to do a lot of stuff online themselves. Um, and then other people which are just time poor to understand the complexities that they are actually applying for. So they might have that online ability, but they just need the assistance um, with the help with the claim. So the main payments of actual 2020, so the, the recent Centrelink report was um, came out and the top four claimed benefits of last year was probably to no surprise, it was job seeker. But job seeker yep. actually includes a few different types of benefits as well. Um, so job seeker, family tax benefit, which we'll talk about, um, I'll dissect a little bit because there's two parts to it. There's youth yep. allowance or Oz study as well. So that's for your, you know, your kids that are studying or that actually, but you know, they don't have to be children. It could be yourself as well. So it's a consideration. Um, and then childcare subsidy. So those were the top four claimed benefits of 2020, which is a little bit um, out of the ordinary I think because most of the customers there's something like 2.5 million people on an age pension that come from Centrelink and that you know age pension really makes up the bulk of Centrelink customers as well but obviously there's a huge a huge um surge I think in these type of family type benefits that are being claimed for as well with Centrelink so I'll break down yeah. a few of them um probably the first one I'll talk about is parenting payment which probably didn't come into that top four but it probably gets collected right. in that job seeker because essentially what you're looking at when you're looking at the parenting payment um it's a benefit that you get if you're not working or you're the primary carer of a young child so if you're single um your ch child needs to be under eight years or if you're in a part of a couple your child needs to be under six years. So there's some different criteria based on your specific circumstances. So adding some of the right. complexities. Um, and in some circumstances as well, job seeker. So is actually a better benefit depending on your income situation. So it's really, really important to work with a really good um, advisor or expert um, or Centrelink. But, you know, it's kind of like I hope you get the right person at Centrelink to help you point yeah. you in the right direction and what is the best one to claim. Um, so doing a little bit of research earlier on is crucial, um, much like most things, I think, when you're starting a family. So the maximum so benefit. Quick, quick question there yep. for you, Sheena, is if um, you're saying that's for just younger kids, aged eight and under, and for a single yep. parent, and if they've got multiple kids? Um, so multiple kids is fine. So, but they they need to have at least one child. If they're single, they need to have at least one child under eight. And if they're part of a couple, they need to have at least one child under six. Oh, okay. Right. So the, what actually happens is from a means test, and the means test is just a fancy way of saying your eligibility, um, it, it changes and it increases per how many children you've got. So um, right. if you've got multiple children, then basically the benefit increases by about $24.60 per child per fortnight. So it starts and that's, you know, if the complexity just kind of keeps adding on with some of these um, yeah. try to capture all payments. So you kind of sometimes don't know if you're going to be eligible or if you meet the the means test or the eligibility criteria until you actually speak to someone at Centrelink and put those claims through. Um, I and think it's got one of the ones that we would see, sorry, Sheena, is um, yep. we get a lot of questions about, well, I'm going to have this much parental leave. How's that going to affect my family tax benefit? That That's a really hard one for people to get their head around. 
Yeah, so some of them are income tested to the point where you can earn up to, say, 150000 per annum, and some of them start to taper off, which means just reducing how much you receive if you earn a dollar over the minimum amount. So again, it comes down to your specific situation and the specific benefit that you're applying for. Right. So, so yeah, it, and that each, you know, different allowance or payment has has different criteria um and there's something like you know 130 benefits available on Centrelink and I'd like to say I'm an expert in every single one of them and the different taper rates but it's just something that I always know just to touch base with again and and they always get updated as well so um yeah so the maximum benefit for that parenting payment as well for a single person is 743 dollars per fortnight so it's not small fry it's quite a significant um, cash flow boost as well which you'll probably go into the importance of getting the cash flow right when you're starting a family so and there's also rent rent assistance which can kind of bump it up as well so um you know it's really important not to just discard these type of payments because of the complexity it is quite important to kind of nut out what you're what you're eligible for as well yep um I'll jump into paid parental leave if you like. <laughs> yeah, great. That's fantastic. Go for it. Yep. So paid parental leave. I think you leave. can tell from this, Gina, we've all gone quiet because we <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> and if I'm boring you with the excitement of my no, we're numbers, loving it. It's just, great. Just, you know, do you jump on in and you steer me in the right direction? But look, you know, paid, paid parental expertise. leave. <laughs> I would find most people, most And I'm going to be really nasty to all the males listening again. I think most females, when they are pregnant, they, and they've been working, they jump on and they have a look at the paid parental leave. It's actually paid through your employer, but you do need to still claim and apply for it on a Centrelink side of things. Um, So basically, if you meet the work test, which basically means you've been working for the year prior and your financial year prior income is below the 150,000, then you're eligible for paid parental leave. There's no asset test. So if you've got your sole taxable income is less than 150000 for the year prior when you were um, working, then you're eligible for the paid parental leave. You get $740.60 for 18 weeks. Um, and that comes from your employer, uh, your employer's payroll. So it comes through, you know, you don't need to give the bank details to Centrelink, although they probably ask for them anyway, just in case there's issues there. Um, but it must be paid within the first year that you have your baby. So they call that the newborn payment. But you can also get it if you're adopting or if grandparents are adopting a child as well. So it's really important to look at if your situation is a little bit specific to the different criteria there as well. But we'll keep you starting a family. So paid within the first year. (laughs) Yeah. But we don't forget about you dads. So, Tim, I'm not sure whether you were around <laughs> at that point in time as well when there was a there's a payment called a dad and partner pay. Um, it's it's not as generous. It's two weeks worth of payment of $750 per week um, rather than fortnight, which is a little bit weird. So two so $750 per week for two weeks. And it's so for dad, if they take two weeks of unpaid leave, and that's quite crucial in the first year that a baby yeah. is born, then they can get that that benefit there. And again, the taxable income just needs to be under $150. Um sorry, $150,000. I reckon yeah. a lot of people and, claim that. They wouldn't. And I think 
Like I was talking to a small business owner through an accountant the other day um, and he he's obviously able to go, you know what, I don't need to pay myself leave. I can take this. And because of how he structured his business, he's taxable. He's quite a successful businessman, but his taxable income is under his, you know, so individual taxable income is under 150,000. So he's able to apply for this one, which is, you know, it's a little yeah. bit of a boost, which is kind of nice to add to a baby's nursery room or things like that, that you need oh, to have, um, you know, yeah, cover the yeah. cost for. Um, so that's your paid parental leave and dad and partner pay, which are quite important. Um, probably the other one when you are having children as well that you might not have looked at from a Centrelink point of view would be that family tax benefit A and B. So there's two parts to yeah. this. So it can be a little bit um, complex and confusing. And again, that criteria, depending on how many children you've got, um, you know, in your particular situation, it and their ages, all those kind of things, the the criteria changes a lot. And there's a a specific tables on the website to kind of steer you in the right direction. But again, working with, um, you know, either accountants or financial planners like yourself, Tim, would be the best place for most clients, I think, to start just to get an overview. Um, So the family tax benefit A, so that's the one that you'd find um, most people would be on so if they're eligible so it's for uh, for a parent or guardian um with a child under age 15 um so if you combined family income is below say about 105,000 and these are real um guidelines yep. if you like because the criteria is so um you know, complex, then then you should be looking at this type of payment. Um, it comes with lots of supplements for newborns as well. So the actual maximum benefit at the moment for family tax benefit A is $246 per fortnight. But if you're having a newborn, right. you get an upfront newborn supplement of $570 um, and another newborn upfront payment um, of 1710 which is a maximum payment wow. um, it's pay- yeah so there's a little add-ins and again it's not you don't get those supplements automatically they they are very dependent on your certain income situation but if you're on that type of benefit it's very good to be on when you first have a newborn so it's those supplements though can only be paid in the first 12 months of a newborn um, being born so if you if you're thinking about family tax benefit a and b and you think i'll look at that later on don't look at that as soon as you have that baby yeah. you want you want those supplements to come in the first 12 months so once again sheena back to what we were talking about with tara before is um under you got to understand all this before you go in because I, I would think there'd be a high proportion of people that would not apply for this until afterwards. Yeah. And I think, you know, if you're leaving it to like, if you're like me, uh, my pregnancies always go up to the 42nd week or something like that. It's ridiculous. And I'm kind of, I'll just leave yeah. it until I finish work, which is really not an ideal time. It's usually when I'm nesting and washing yeah. little, little newborn clothes and hanging them out with one little peg and it looks ridiculous on the line, but very, very cute. <laughs> um, and you don't have time and you don't really want to sit down and do this kind of uh, financial thinking so definitely planning this early on is really important and i mean we 
Sheena and I have been working together just this year or last year, late last year, but even through this conversation here today, I'm thinking we're going to put anyone that's having a family, we've got to put them in front of you, Sheena, because um, it's a small um, fee for them to pay to make sure that they get all of these payments. Yeah, that's right. And the other one as well, just um, which I probably haven't gone through. So there's family tax benefit B um, and that's for single income families or a single person as well. So that's just another add-on to be aware of. Um, But the other one as well is once you're applying for these kind of things, you can actually bulk all of them together. So even if you're not going to be eligible, sometimes if you're in there applying for one, which you know you're going to be eligible for, just tick all the boxes that kind of pop up in front of you for your claim. Yeah. That's that's how we do it at, at AdviceLink. And it might mean that we go to, to clients or advisors and say, look, we need a little bit more information because there may be a potential benefit here. So when we're applying for childcare yep. subsidy, so that's your, your discount off your childcare fees, this is when we're ticking, you know what, let's look at family tax benefit A and B. Let's look at whether they've applied for dad and partner pay. And usually they've done, you know, mum's pretty savvy onto the paid parental leave knowing that their income is going to, to take yes. a bit of a jump around in that period. But it's when we look at, you know, paid uh, parenting payment and things like that for a client so just you know knowing to tick a few of those extra boxes and look at those few extra claims when you're in there is really important but childcare subsidy is usually um, what we're in there for or the paid parental leave so tick a few of those boxes when you're in there as well those other ones and Sheena for people that are going to tackle this on their own just um, what's the short short shortish version of of the documentation they're going to need to come with I'm imagining tax returns and stuff like that? Um, Yeah, so if you're applying for, say, a pension or an allowance and the means test is probably going to be the biggest indication about what you're going to need to provide. So if they're talking about means test as being asset and income tested, then they're going to want to look at assets being um, not your superannuation and not your home, but they're going to want to look at, you know, any maybe managed investments um, that you may have and money in the bank. So if you've got statements for those kind of things, that's a really great start. You obviously need your ID um, to start with. Now, you know, that's probably one of the only times if you are actually doing this online, your ID is the one thing that you'll need to go into Centrelink and show them your original ID. They don't like certified copies. Um, They want to see the original. Um, But there is some allowance with the COVID um, conditions at the moment that they're waiving that a little bit until July. But it doesn't mean that you'll never have to do it. It just means you don't need to do it until July of this year. Um, The other type of paperwork you'll need at hand if it's income tested, uh, so for low income healthcare cards and things like that, you're going to need to provide your uh, notice of assessment. So not your tax return, um, but the notice of assessment. um, The tax return might help you with putting the figures into the claim paperwork, but the notice of assessment is the piece of material that they actually want to see. And you can scan that and upload. They've got some a great app. Um, which actually means you can take a pretty good photo of some of these documents yeah. as well um, and upload it via the app as well. And um, that's actually the way they want to re- want to get information these days, isn't it? 
Yeah, and it's part of my tips and tricks. So if you can if you can start to get familiar and navigate through that online system, the, so you apply for your MyGov, you link up your Centrelink system to the MyGov, you know, we obviously go, it's, it's, it's not too bad, but we're very familiar with it because we're in there a yeah. lot um, for clients. We see exactly what clients see. So, you know, we're happy to walk you through a particular process if, if required. But, um, yeah, like if you get familiar with that type of system, it's often the person at the end of it seems to have half the boxes done and ticked for them. So your processing time is also going to be a lot more efficient and quicker um, yeah. in doing all that as well. So my biggest tip is apply, claim, update online. Keep keep a file on yourself. Keep that receipt number when you apply something online. And if you need to call to follow it up, take the person's name and take a reference number for that phone call as well. And kind of just keep a little yeah, little file, an Excel spreadsheet on what what's going on. Because if you ever need to escalate it, and you just need to do that by requesting that over the phone um, as a complaint, they get handled really quickly. They don't want complaints. <laughs> they you know, no. they, they don't want those numbers sitting on the system, so they'll handle them quickly and you'll have a file there ready to go. You'll have within two, three days someone contacting you, which is amazing, just to get everything sorted for you. Thanks, Sheena. That was awesome. I, I really learned some, some things there myself. Um, <laughs> obviously, we deal a lot with Centrelink, um, Family Tax Benefit A and B, but a couple of the others there I wasn't totally aware of. Um, that feeds us into cash flow, and and I really just wanted to, and again, I welcome either Sheena or Tara to talk about how they approach this. But conversations I have with people when they come and say, "Look, we're we're starting a family," um, is some things that can help is having a plan first of all to get ahead on the mortgage. Um, yeah, it's likely you're going to have some of these benefits coming in, but it's likely your income's going to take a hit. And there's no time like the present to try and build a bit of a buffer. So we often say, look, is, is it going to be possible to make some additional repayments on the mortgage and buy yourself some buffer zone there? Um so that if you did want to extend your maternity leave later or you needed more leave or um, things got tight, that you've got some buffer, buffer there while you've got the two incomes. Um, obviously, understanding your leave entitlements is huge and starting to plan for that. We always ask for that information when we're doing that planning with people. Um, I know. I'm I often say to people... Back on your point about planning for that, I know... Uh, it's probably another crazy thing I did when I was pregnant as well. I did remortgage because, and so you can do that in the early stages of pregnancy, or you could back in 2019 when I did do that, yeah. um, just to make sure that I had as much redraw available. Um, I didn't change my repayments, even though maybe the capital or the minimum repayments reduced, but it just meant I could actually create that cash flow or that buffer as an emergency um, should yeah. anything have arised. So so I looked at remortgaging and making sure we were getting the best rate. And I think when it got to, to the sticky end and I was getting a little bit chubby, uh, when we went in to go see the broker in the bank, I tried to suck it in and I'm not pregnant. <laughs> it actually doesn't make a big difference in your first trimester yeah. as well. So. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, that's true. Um, one of the things that I do suggest to people is um, if it's possible, um, in a lot of cases, people don't have kids at this stage. They've got a fair bit of surplus income. So is it possible to start trialling living off that one income now? Start getting brutal about it and testing out how hard it is. And if you're able then to sort of shovel the other income somewhere for savings, that's good. But it's, again, it's, it's something you could start doing now, just start living that life now on the one income to see how you go. The one thing that I would <laughs> be interesting to hear what your outtake is on this, ladies, is um, I often say to people, your outgoings will change anyway. Your lifestyle changes. You just don't spend as much money, especially in that first year. Um all those lavish nights out and um, fancy dinners and all that seem to go by the wayside because you're looking after a young child. Um, so we do t tend to see that that can be a helpful component too in in the cash flow sense. I was actually thinking about you, Tara, when you said you had the COVID baby because I remember the first thing that probably saved me in my first pregnancy was being able to go out for coffees with girlfriends that, you know, had new new babies or young children and and lunches. And and looking at the cash flow, I said to my husband, I go, oh, do I need to stop doing that? He's like, no, it's fine. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I was thinking in COVID, oh, my gosh, what would you have done? How did you escape your house? <laughs> Yeah, there wasn't a lot of leaving the house and uh, Tim, you're totally spot on all of that discretionary spending and the outfits and everything kind of um, yeah. shrunk. But we did buy a new couch and a big new TV. So I don't know <laughs> yeah. if that um, made up for it because we spent so much time on the couch. Oh, absolutely. And I think um, so I'd often say that to people about now the daunting it can be daunting to look at that one income and say gee is that going to be enough but you, your outgoings will also adapt um but there's just a few tips you know i think get ahead on the mortgage definitely get across your leave as sheena's touched on there and um you know, why not try living off the one income now and see how you go see if you can start training yourself onto that thanks a lot ladies it's been really informative i'm sure for everyone um I, uh, Tara, on your estate planning, um, we did talk about those four decisions and, and we have got a one-pager on that, which we'll put in the show notes for this um, uh, podcast. And Sheena, you mentioned some tips or tricks you've got there. Have you got that on a on a on some sort of document? Oh, yeah, so we, we, could we put that on the show notes? Yeah. Awesome. Um, and, and, of course, we'll also put some information in there regarding all, each of those elements, um, the estate planning, life insurance, Centrelink, and those cash flow tips. And I think all three of us, when we got on had a chat earlier, were in agreement that this is the right order to tackle it. Absolutely. And, Tim, my um, sort of concluding remark is, I think the more prepared you can be prior to baby coming, the easier your postpartum will be because there's already so much 
new stuff that you're learning and one of the main things they say for everything you know your health bub's health is to reduce stress so if you're not stressing about your estate plan if you're not stressing about trying to get into centrelink not stressing about working out a budget or what's going on with your money i think you will really set yourself up for the best possible you know newborn and postpartum experience that you can have great points yeah i agree get in there early get it done because I remember having my first child. I never smiled so much. And I remember telling everyone, uh, I'm a a big honest person. So I remember telling them, oh my gosh, this is, this is the the most hardest thing I've ever done in my life, but I've never smiled so much. So you want to be able to really take a breath and enjoy those smiles and not have these kind of things on your mind later on. Thank you so much for all your insights there. Really enjoyed it. And I'm sure all our listeners have too. So thanks, no, we didn't Tara. even thanks, tell you Shana. all the. That's all right. <laughs> thanks. Didn't tell us what the. Thanks so much, Kim. All the boring pregnancy stories. <laughs> <laughs> thanks a lot. Thank you. If you're looking for a community of like-minded people who are going on a journey similar to you, then I invite you to join the Grass Is Greener Facebook group where you can connect, share and learn from other people just like you. I really hope you took some great insights out of that. Both Tara and Sheena were extremely generous with their time and their insights and I really thank them for coming on. A couple of thoughts just to leave you with. You know, we'll obviously have those links to their areas of expertise and we'll clearly leave some information about the services we provide in the show notes. But the thing I think Tara mentioned during the the interview is these are big items to knock over and what great peace of mind to know that you've done it and then you can just focus on the element of enjoying starting a family, having your baby and enjoy that element and know that all that hard work you've done in the lead up is all set in stone. Don't hesitate to reach out with any questions at all. We're always happy to help. The information in this podcast is of a general nature and does not take into account your own financial objectives, circumstances and needs. You should consider your own personal situation and requirements before making any decision. If you have any concerns or questions, please contact me. That's the end of another show. Remember, the grass isn't greener on the other side. It's greener where you water it. See you later.